Hey guys, this is Tina Recklage, and you're listening to the Grow and Go podcast, the show about growing, challenging, and encouraging each other to dig deeper than the social norms. Let's grow and go together. Oh, hey guys, welcome back to uh, the Grow and Go podcast. That's what you're listening to. Thanks for being here. Um, <laughs> man, that, yeah, guys, seriously though, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Uh, recently, we just hit 1K listens, not 1K f- subscribers or followers or whatever, but 1,000 listens, guys, thank you. I don't even care if that seems like such a small achievement to whoever's listening to this. Um, that means a ton. So just the fact that you guys actually listen, um, Man, that just means so much. Um, it means maybe I have something good to say. I mean, maybe or maybe we just want to grow. I mean, I'm just super thankful that you guys are taking the time to just sit down and listen to this. And man, that means the world to me. Um, before I get into the today's uh, episode, uh, I want to share my embarrassing story of the week. One day, I swear I'm going to have some music around that that portion, like a Jimmy Fallon skit, but. In the meantime, you're just going to have to deal with what we got. All right. Embarrassing story. Um, so, okay. This happened when I was in eighth grade. Now, I mentioned in a previous episode that, like, I, I do music. Like, I like to sing. I play guitar, a little piano. And, I'm a you know, I wanted to be a musician growing up, right? And so, around the time um, in eighth grade, it was eighth grade middle school. This was where I was at, like, my peak. Where, like, I was like, I want to be a musician. I want to be seen as a kid in school who is can sing can play music can be the musician like like almost in the yearbook where it's like um you know most likely to be a musician like I wanted my picture to be on there but the problem was is that I was so insecure and so I didn't think my voice sounded good even though I like wanted to be a singer so bad and so I never like put out videos of me singing and never like showed off that I could play instruments or stuff like that. Like I was, I was too insecure to like show it off. And so there came this opportunity where I was in eighth, like, like I said, eighth grade. Um, my English teacher, the best teacher, by the way, my English teacher was like, Hey, we're going to do, um, we're going to have to write a paper on a biography of a famous celebrity, um, anybody in history. So you can pick whoever you want. And so I was like, Oh man, who is like the number one trending celebrity right now? And if you go back to eighth grade, which was for me, 2011, 20, yeah, 2010, 2011, it was Adele, man, hot Adele. Like she made some bangers back rolling in the deep, set fire to the rain, just all that good stuff. Right. So I was like, I am going to do, I'm going to pick Adele. I'm going to write a paper on her and it's going to be great. So then my teacher added, Hey, we're going to also if you have something that relates to your celebrity, like we'll get it for extra credit. So if you do something, so if like, for example, there was a kid who did, who did his project on Macklemore and he like wrapped a verse of it. And there was a, um, someone who did like a comedy sketch from like Jim Carrey or something like that. Like basically you could take whoever you wrote about and do like something that relates to that person, uh, as, as extra credit. And so 
I was like, yes, I'm totally going to do that. And so I told my teacher, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do Adele and I'm going to sing one of her songs. And she's like, you can sing. I'm like, I know, right? But (laughs) so she was like, okay, okay, okay. So came the day. Everybody's doing their project. My last name starts with an R. So basically I was towards the end of the line. So I had to watch like 20 kids go and I was nervous the whole time. Like I had been practicing in my room for nights. I had the lyrics out in front of me. I was singing in my mirror and like, by the way, no music, by the way, it was just my vocals. So that in in and of itself was pretty embarrassing. Um, And so it came to the point where like, okay, Tanner, uh, Tanner's going to go. So I had to go up there. I had to read my biography about Adele. I think I had to do a slideshow or whatever. And then came the moment where I had to sing an Adele song. And I chose none other than Set Fire to the Rain. Okay, now, I don't know if you guys know that song. It's a great song. Awesome song. And I, my voice does not sound like Adele's. I'll just tell you that. So I went up there. And keep, keep in mind, I was, very, I was very embarrassed. And I'm up there in my gray shirt and my black pants. You'll find out why that's important in a second. And I'm up there. And I'm started singing. And as I'm singing, I'm looking above everybody's heads because I don't want to see their reaction. And I notice that I am so nervous to the point where I just start peeing. <laughs> okay. And it wasn't like a full on like like I'm going pee. Like it was like like drips. And it was embarrassing. And I felt it. I couldn't like stop singing to look down at my pants, you know, like I had to keep pushing through. And so I I kept, kept going, kept in both terms. I kept singing and peeing at the same time. Um, but I kept doing it and I finished the song and I noticed that like no one, every, everyone's clapping at that point. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, like Tanner, you can actually sing. That's so cool. Like, and I don't even like I just go back to my seat. I sit down. I check my pants and I'm good because I have black pants and no one noticed that I had uh, peed my pants um, in eighth grade uh, while I was like 11, 12, 13 years old. So that was very embarrassing for me. No one has ever known about that except for now. So congrats. You were the first to hear this. And if you were in my eighth grade English class who had to listen to me sing a very bad cover of Set Fire to the Rain uh, while peeing my pants, uh, congrats. You know a little bit more about how that situation ended up. Um, But yeah, very embarrassing. And since then, I haven't peed my pants while singing. So I guess that's a good sign. (laughs) But okay. So today's episode is titled Clean Freaks. Now, I don't know about you. I know a couple clean freaks. Um, people, and I, I, I'm not a clean freak, but I like keeping my room tidy. I, I think there's a difference between that. Just like organizing and someone who like deep cleans, like gets on their hands and knees with soap and water and just washes everything. I'm not that person. I'm the person that will just tidy everything up. I'll shove things under my bed if I have to. Um, but they're clean freaks, but in the situation where I'm talking about a clean freak, I'm not talking about someone who likes to wash, likes to clean things. I'm talking about someone who is so obsessed with keeping things orderly that they forget that the whole part of life is, or the whole, almost the whole point of life is to be around dirty and messy people. Now, 
this I feel like this episode is going to be killer, <clears throat> killer because I feel like I'm going to expose quite a bit of um, the believers who listen to this. And I'm not targeting people, like I said. Like I'm, this is all encouragement, all growing. Um, but I think if we need to resolve, find out the solution to a problem, I think we got to identify that there are some. So I'm not trying to sound uh, pessimistic. I'm trying to get to the root of like, why do we do this? Why, why are we being this way? (laughs) Why are we not loving the world like we should? Um, so I want to start off, um, with this, um, verse in Luke 15. And it says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So, you look right there in the first beginning of the verse, and this, and then shortly it goes into the um, the uh, parable about Jesus um, about finding the lost sheep. Um, but before that, he's sitting with sinners, he's eating with them, he's having lunch, dinner, breakfast, or whatever with them. And if you look at that, it's saying now the tax collectors and sinners. So they were all sitting around him, right? And the Pharisees and the scribes were there too. Now the Pharisees were the elite, like the religious, the stupid religious people who like didn't know how to interact without bringing up a Bible verse essentially. And so they were all sitting there and they saw Jesus eating with them. And he's like, oh, and they started grumbling. I'm like stupid simplifying this whole passage right here. But they're like, man, like, why is he doing that? Like if he is who he says he is, if he is... God, if he is God in in flesh, then why is he eating with people who are less than God? Like the Pharisees in their mind thought that they were the elite. They were the ones who were worthy to be um, hanging out with Jesus if he was who he said he was. Um, And they thought that, you know, if God being so perfect and holy, why would he come down and associate with people who are not even close to that? And that's where I feel like sometimes we get in that spot where we're like, I don't want to get near people who are different than me because, because of this reason, I don't want to get near people who are dirty than me or, um, not, sorry, not dirty than me, but who are different than me because they're different than me. And I don't know, I don't know how to get along with them. We have nothing in common, which is so untrue. (laughs) I feel like there's so many things that we're in common with, like, and I'll give example earlier of like how I, I am guilty of this too. But if we're only friends with Christians based around the stigma that we have something in common, which is our faith, what else do we have in common then? You know, I feel like that is an important factor because if we're in Christ and we have brothers and sisters who are in Christ and therefore we are in a family, we're called to keep each other accountable, called to keep each other in, in check just to make sure that we're, you know, spreading or we're looking like Jesus in every and any situation. But if it comes to just that, then like, what else are we supposed to have in common? You know, like outside of our faith, what else is there to our friendship? If our friendship is just surrounded by you love Jesus and I love Jesus, then I don't, what else, what, what kind of friendship is that essentially? And then you can take that and you can look at the complete different, um, you can flip it around and look at the other side where it's like, if I'm friends with an unbeliever, then what do we have in common? You know, 
I believe that Jesus came and died for me, set me free, and therefore I am now a follower of him. And if that person who is an unbeliever does not, then in my mind, I think, what do we have in common then? It's like, that is not (laughs) the narrowing factor to a friendship is based on what you believe and what I don't believe. I believe that Papa John's is the best pizza. And I have a friend who believes that Pizza Hut is the best pizza. And if we disagree on that, it's like we're still friends and we don't have to agree on every single aspect, if that makes sense. Just because I love Papa John's and he, that person, he loves Pizza Hut more. It's like, I'm not instantly being like, okay, we can't be friends because we obviously don't agree on that. It's like, we can agree to disagree, but in a sense, we can't just let that be the factor. We can love people while disagreeing with them. And I feel like I've talked about this in the last couple episodes, how like we get so one-sided and if we treat our opinions as facts, um, in a sense where if I'm looking at someone, I'm thinking like, oh, you don't agree with me on this, then obviously we're not, you're not meant to be in my life. And it's like, if we are only surrounding ourselves with people who agree with us, then I think we're not making friends, we're making teammates, if that makes sense. And so on that topic of believers versus unbelievers, which is not a thing, I'm using that very loosely because I feel like that's what we do sometimes is we say like, oh, we're believers. We believe that Jesus came, died for us. And you're unbelievers. You you guys are foolish. You guys don't understand. You guys are, you know, dumb, <laughs> you know, plain and simple. We think like, because you don't believe the same belief that I have, therefore you are not superior or therefore you aren't even close to my sort of standard of living. And that's discouraging. And it's hard because if we want to love the world, if we if we want to get our hands dirty and to be close and to show them who Jesus is, we're not going to do it a hundred feet away from them, just pointing at them. If we want to show people who Jesus is, we have to be close. And so <clears throat> there's a Bob Goff quote uh, from a book. There's two Bob Goff, Bob Goff quotes. Oh my gosh, that was hard to get out. Um, from this book that I'm going to be reading today. But the first one is, he says, loving the people who are easy to love made me feel like I was really good at it. And what I've come to realize, though, is that I was avoiding the people I didn't understand and the ones who lived differently than me. And so Bob Goff will say it just as it is, because I feel like I've been in that spot where like, oh my gosh, I'm only loving people who agree with me. I'm only loving people who are easy to love. And everybody else, even believers too, but mostly unbelievers, people who I don't understand, people I don't realize like what their drive in life is for. Those people, I feel like I'm more standoffish um, to try to understand. You know, I feel like if we try to just understand the people who agree with us and like, congrats, like we're only learning more about our teammates, you know? But at the end of the day, like Jesus didn't come to just hang out with all his um, disciples. Like he hung out with other people too. Like I think of like how he like went to the woman at the well, someone from a completely different um, nationality. I'm probably going to butcher what she actually was, but like the woman at the well, um, the woman who was caught in adultery, blind men, sick men, um, just all these people like 
these people weren't religious elite people. These people didn't believe that he was the son of God until after he revealed himself, until after he went to them, touched them, healed them, you know, encouraged them, surrounded, just love them. That's when they realized, oh, he's the son of God. Oh, he is who he says he is. And it wasn't by Jesus riding on a donkey a hundred feet away that they realized that, <clears throat> that he's God because how else would they know it if he didn't come close to them? Does that make sense? <clears throat> I feel like if we want to get close, if we want to show people who Jesus is, then we need to realize that it's not going to be while we're so far away from them. It's going to be while we're close and while we still may not understand them, still may not completely get why they live the way that they do or do the things that they do. Um, but it's in those moments where we realize that we don't have to fully understand to love someone. You know, I, you know, I got like, I got saved six years ago. Right. And in that moment, I didn't realize every single thing about God, but I knew that I loved him. You know, I, I knew that he was, I'm like, God is, I'm like, Jesus is God. And that was basically the whole thing I knew was that like, oh, now I believe that Jesus is God. And I didn't realize that there's so much more about his faithfulness and his goodness and just his peace and just who who he is in and of itself. It took time for me to understand more of who God was so I can love him more. But that didn't stop me from loving him at all. You know, I don't understand. I, I have... I have family members that I don't understand why they live the way that they do. And instead of me avoiding to try to understand them, I instead try to put myself in a situation where like, no, I love them because they're family. I don't have to fully understand them to love them. And we're in a spot where we feel like that, that has to be the case. And so bouncing around a little bit, Um, there's another verse too in Luke six, where it says, um, this, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And so in that situation, it's like, what good is it that we just love people who are beneficial to us? You know, if if that's the case, then I feel like that is our pride being exposed in the people that we surround ourselves with. But that verse is very unique because it says, I love the last, the last couple of lines where it says, but love your enemies, do good, lend, expect nothing in return. And the reward will be great. You will be sons of the most high. And it's like, if we can just learn to love people, not be not, and not treat them, not categorize people as they're a believer, they're an unbeliever, that person doesn't believe in what I believe, but that person does. And instead, just look at all people as, no, you're worthy to be loved because I was loved. Because I was first loved, therefore, I now get to love people. And it's instead of us just categorizing people and putting people in boxes and saying that, you know, 
they don't understand. Therefore, I need to, I need to show them the truth. I need to reveal to them that you know this is what you're doing. This is the way you're living. I could instead just be with them and, and surround myself with them and love them. And you know, there's this fear. There's a saying that like we're not called to make a lot of friends, but I would argue that's what Jesus did when he was here. You know, he he sat with the misunderstood people and he loved the people who were ignored. And if we're called to love like Jesus, we're called to do the same. That's the end of the story. And so, and I feel like we need to get to the bottom of like what it is that is keeping us from going towards those people, going towards people who we don't agree with or don't live the same lifestyle as. And Bob Goff really just says it. And it's the one word, insecure. And he says, am I really so insecure that I surround myself with only people who agree with me? When people are flat wrong, why do I point myself, the sheriff, to straighten them out? Burning down others' opinions doesn't make us right. It makes us arsonist. And that's so true. Because if we're so focused on keeping the people that we feel safe around, keeping, keeping our community in check then we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to grow and to step out of our comfort zone because we're so comfortable where we're at. You know, and I think there's a fear, there's this distinction, at least that I thought of when I was thinking of this too, is that like, I feel like people think that if they surround themselves with unbelievers, I'm just going to say unbelievers, I'm not even going to just like try to categorize them. Um, People who you know, we can say that we don't want to get infected by the world, but in all actuality, I think we're too insecure to love the people who God has put in front of us to interact with. You know, imagine if we only surrounded ourselves with Christian friends, uh, Christian family, Christian books, you know, and we can keep going on and say, Oh, imagine if we just put ourselves only, only in Christian buildings, Christian restaurants, drink Christian water, wear Christian clothes, breathe Christian air. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Okay. But yet we're so, we have this tendency to like, try to keep our like close, you know, believing friends in because we feel secure. We feel safe. We feel, I'm like, Oh, they understand me. They understand what it is that I'm going through. But instead I would say that a lot of the times you can get not to say that we're supposed to take wisdom from people who don't believe the same things we do. Ultimately, our wisdom comes from God um, and, you know, and who God is speaking through around us. And I think God can speak through unbelievers as well. You know, I've learned a lot of lessons about, um, for example, I have a uh, gay cousin. Now, I, I don't 100% agree with it, but that doesn't stop me from loving her, right? But there's a lot of things that I've learned about like the way that she gets treated for the way that she lives. And I realize that sometimes a lot of the people who are pointing the finger at them are the people like us, the people who are believers, the people who think we have this moral authority to to keep everybody in check. But at the end of the day, we're not called to do that. We're called to keep each other in check, people who do believe, people who um, are living in the light because if we're living in sin, if we're continuing, if we are in a continuation of a pattern of sin, then I would argue that the light is not in us because we are choosing something that we were freed from, if that makes sense. So to get back on track, 
me having me having a cousin who is gay is not something where I feel like, oh, I'm going to get infected. I'm going to I'm going to get some on me or anything. It's like, no, I'm going to love my cousin because I love my cousin. You know, and again, I like I, I'll go back to the Papa John's um, <laughs> freaking analogy. But it's like I don't agree that Pizza Hut is the best pizza. I agree that I, I would say that Papa John's is. But just because I believe that Papa John's is, that doesn't mean I have to hate or I have to discriminate or I have to like discredit my friend who likes Pizza Hut more. Instead, I can love him despite our differences. I can love my gay cousin despite our our differences. And I think the problem becomes when we are only... we. All right, I'm going to actually take this off-road for a second. I feel like another reason why we're so quick or I'm going to backtrack. Sorry. I feel like we're, we only choose to get close to people who are sort of believing. And I'll, I'll give you an example. There are, so when I was in high school, I had, I had a buddy, I'm not going to say his name. I'm, I'm going to call him chase though. Okay. But I had a buddy named chase and he, him and I, we, we didn't really party a lot, but we still kind of like lived the same lifestyle. This was before I was saved. And we, we didn't really, you know, do much together other than he was just a guy I knew in high school who was like, oh, okay, we're kind of like similar. Um, then, um, between my sophomore and junior year, that's when I got saved and I came back and I was in class with him and like, keep in mind, like, I came back kind of holier than thou, like I've mentioned before, and I wasn't, I'm not too proud of that, but I came back and I started, you know, I want to clean up my act and people around me who don't understand me, well, they, they don't deserve to be around me because they don't understand me. And so like, he was one of the people I kind of like cut out because he was in my class. We sat at the same table and I just kind of like had my headphones in most of the time and just kind of ignored the people around me because I was just kind of like doing my own thing. I was like, I didn't want to be around them because they weren't, or weren't like me. If that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, graduate high school, I was doing that all through high school, except kind of the last year I can was more welcoming to loving people around me. But after high school came years later and I saw him and his girlfriend, uh, at my church. And so I came up to him and I was like, Hey dude, what's up? Like you're, Oh, you're going to church. Like, dude, that's cool. And this was a few years ago, by the way. And came to the point where like I was, we have this baptism every year and I saw him get baptized and I was like, dude, that's so cool. Like that's something to celebrate. Um, and, and it, it truly is when someone accepts the Lord, when someone is so open to inviting him in like that's something to celebrate don't don't get me wrong but i think the problem is is when our hearts are so like oh now i can love them if that makes sense so i found myself after the baptism i like went up to him like dude like awesome like let's grab coffee and like just talk about stuff and we grabbed coffee and like and it was like the whole conversation was me trying to like dude, so tell me about like your faith. Tell me like what, what's more like, what's God teaching you? Like, tell me about that, you know, instead of just loving him because he's worthy to be loved. 
And I think that's where our agendas get mixed around. It's like if we only are welcoming people when they are choosing to like live like us or where they're choosing to be where they want to understand, then I think we're getting it wrong. And I think we're just called to love people not based on the assumption that maybe they'll get it or maybe they won't, but to love them regardless if they get it. You know, and my role on earth is to look like Jesus in everything I do. And I don't think me hovering towards my friend when he decided to accept him into, into accept the Lord into his life. I don't think that was me loving him. I think that was me saying, awesome, we got another one. Awesome, we got, we're building our team now. Therefore, now I can love you because we're alike. And I feel like that's so not good. So, a few takeaways from today. We're not called to be in our Christian bubbles. We're called to love the world, which means interacting with them, getting our hands dirty, getting, getting messy, you know, even if they don't understand it, to love them anyway, to look like a light to them. You know, we don't have to share a Bible verse every time someone's crying. Instead, we can hug them. You know, we can cry with them to rejoice with people who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Uh, second, we're called to humble ourselves. So that means putting ourselves in a lower position so that way we're not coming off as, well, I hold all the wisdom. Well, I hold all the answers. Well, I follow God, therefore I have the answers. It's like, no, we're called to humble ourselves and to submit and not submit under his authority and to love people equally. And the last thing I heard this, Line. It's a verse too, but the line in uh, a recent worship song I heard is, a tree that's planted by the water isn't phased by the fire. So if we stay close to the source, if we stay close to God, we don't need to worry about being infected, but instead we can be infectious and welcoming and loving people. I'd rather make a lot of friends who I can love better than a bunch of people who already agree with me. Okay. Challenge of the week, write a five point bucket list. Okay. Now I'm not talking like a huge, huge list, just some things that come to your mind. That you're like, oh man, I would love to do that. Or I would love to learn that. So for example, here, here's my five point bucket list. Currently I would one love to learn how to play the banjo. <laughs> Sounds kind of foolish or kind of silly, but I think it would be such a fun thing to just like whip it out at a bonfire and uh, just like show off. Okay, second one would be, uh, I, w- I want to go on a bike ride with Bob Goff. I know I'm like the biggest, I feel like the biggest Bob Goff fanboy right now, but I would love to just go on a bike ride with him and just like talk. Uh, I also want to learn how to golf. I feel like I'm good at mini golf, but I feel like professional golf, I'm so timid and I have no idea what it is or how to do it or how many holes there are or how to hit or how to hold my pole right or whatever. Um, Next one, I want to have a six-pack uh, by the time I'm 25, which I'm 23, so I need to get on that. Um, and last one would be to write and publish a book. Um, and I feel like these are awesome because we get to like realize, like, oh man, what are some like dreams? And like, you know, we're not always going to be the age that we are now, but we can have things that we want like to like have ambitions for and to look forward to. And it, it keeps our creativity and imagination kind of just rolling still, if you, if you know what I mean. So um, yeah, write a five point bucket list this week. Um, 
you know, you don't have to share it with anybody. It could be things that are just so personal to you. But um, and that and it doesn't even have to be like fun, exciting things it could be like, I want to learn how to be a better husband or like I want to learn how to be a better daughter or stuff like that. You know, what I mean, so things like that. Um, so, yeah, guys, remember, always keep growing. Keep loving the people around you and we'll see you guys next time.